Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special all-new episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, you might hear the audio sounding a little strange today it's because we've got some pretty exciting things to talk about, one of which um, has to do with this audio, which is the fact that I am currently, for the very first time, doing a podcast in my new studio uh, here at the new house. But, do you hear this? There's still a lot. You can hear it in the voice. In the voice. There's still plenty of um, acoustic issues to resolve here. I mean, basically, I'm just sitting amongst a pile of my electronical equipment. You know, I'm looking at a bunch of cables, a bunch of, you know, half set up lights, a lot of keyboards and, you know, out of date microphones all wrapped and bundled in rubber wire and uh, some uh, song file, you know, in, in insurance papers and forms and contracts and everything all stacked and lyric sheets and newspapers, everything all around me, monitors uh, in boxes on the floor, uh, drum machines and keyboards unplugged, uh, you know, little bass amps on the windowsill, nothing plugged in. It's basically a very bare, uh, barren, white, plain room that's just all it is. I mean, I haven't had a chance to really do anything in here yet except for just drop my stuff off in here. There's so many things to do. And that's part of what I want to talk about today. You know, it's um, not so often, and I think in the history of this podcast, I've never had the opportunity to do it. But it's not so often that, um, you know, in the theme of artsy fartsy immigrants, that somebody who lives abroad gets to tell the story of moving to a new location, especially to a new house. Uh, but what I can tell you so far is basically coming home to this house um, has just been so rewarding, uh, more rewarding. Like it, it's a feeling that I didn't expect to have so quickly and potentially a feeling that I didn't um, predict to have at all. Like whenever you go out uh, and you work all day, for example, working on this movie, which I have the story of a lifetime to tell you <laughs> a little later on, a very funny story. But first, I'll just talk a bit about this. When you leave and you, you know, you, you're you gone eight, nine, 10, 11 hours, um, you, you know, you leave your house at like 7.50 and you come back at seven or whatever in the evening, um, you have high hopes for this feeling of comfort and warmth and uh, peace, serenity, and escape from the chaos or the stress or just the different environment that you spent so much of your day in. And as a foreigner abroad, it's very hard to find that feeling. Um, my very first apartment in Munich was a shared flat um, with Efi and this roommate of ours, Sarah, who used to be a friend of hers, but then they had sort of a strange, like continuous falling out, like around the exact time that I moved in. So it was really strange and it came off very, I don't, the, the vibes were immediately weird from like day one. Man, you can really, you can hear my chair creak and crack in here. Anyway, sorry. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, whenever I would go out and do something, if I would go play a show or try and meet people or do a, you know, a little job somewhere, and then I would come back to the apartment, I didn't really feel like cozy. You know, it was a shared space. It was very crammed. Um, it was a cool city flat in the way that, like, you know, it was cool to host people there because, you know, it was, I don't know, it's hard to explain, like, it was a place where you invited someone over, they love the location, you know, and it was like trendy and kind of like hipsterish in the way that it was just like a nice, cool little, you know, wooden floor flat with like a small little, a tiny little staircase for a small attic room where Sarah lived. We called it her birdcage because she was like this strange bird that nested in the attic constantly. 
and she like knitted and she was an artist who had like clay pots and stuff everywhere all the time it just looked like a bird who collected twigs and berries to make a big nest and uh, and she was also extremely strange um i have to preface like i'm not just uh teasing because of teasing's sake she was a very weird person and living there was very weird because of her she was a model um but don't get excited uh, it wasn't <laughs> like uh i don't know as a guy it wasn't really my type and so it you know she was just very vain and strange and obsessed with like looks and materialism and had strange rules about the apartment of how things should be um and she dated this guy who was kind of goofy and oddly sweet but also just a little too cool for school um, I think they're still together. He was, um, he's a professional photographer. So they, they, you know, that went hand in hand. He would take photographs of her for magazines and websites and stuff. Um, uh, but anyway, it's not really about her. It's about the fact that when I would come home from whatever I was doing and I would be at this apartment, although it was a cool place in a great location, uh, and kind of trendy, I just didn't really feel cozy. Like I didn't feel home, you know, it felt like, oh, I'm in Germany. You know, I just got this constant reminder of like, I'm abroad. Um, so it felt like an extended vacation and it also helped that, or maybe it didn't help. Maybe it hindered that feeling because, uh, in that first year I had so many visits, you know, like, um, August, that August of 2015 or whatever, my friends, Matt and Jenna came where they famously conceived their firstborn. (laughs) They took a big Europe trip together and they stayed, you know, at this apartment we had like a big, long adventure together they came down to the mountains we went to this festival matt rapped a poem about um a liquor called called ensian and he won a three liter bottle of ensian and had everybody drink it it was crazy Mm. that's a fun memory but we basically you know and then right after that uh then vivi came uh within a year of that and we did a big uh, germany tour uh, the sophomore year tour, we played a lot of shows with our band uh, that I had built. I built, you know, this group with my friend Mark, who's still my drummer, and uh, this guy Johannes, who was um, the bass player. And we played a few places in Berlin, and uh, I don't know if we actually made it up to Hamburg, but um, eventually I did. You know, so and I mean, and this might sound kind of off topic, but it's all connected. You know, like we had this kind of bad apartment. And then immediately had friends visiting. So it felt like sort of an an extended vacation in that way. You're always sort of threaded back to your native land. And then in 2016, when we moved into the bigger apartment, the one that we just left, the one that we were in for almost seven years, um, that one, there was a lot, there were a lot of times where that felt like home because it was big enough to feel cozy, but it still was more about the location and the trendiness of it and um, how special it was to have an apartment of that size in Munich. And um, it was home. It was definitely my, I would call, I wouldn't, this apartment with Sarah, I would not say that was my first home. Uh, And I only lived there for a few months anyway. But um, this apartment that we left you know, it took some time to develop this sensation of like peace and escape and serenity. And when I would come home from tours or traveling or work or something, um, it still, it took a while to get this feeling of like, oh, I'm home, you know? Um, I think my problem always remained the entrance way to the apartment. Like I shouldn't really complain. It was a big apartment and, you know, we have a very lucky situation, of course, and still do. But uh, coming into the apartment, you're kind of immediately in a narrow, long hallway. Uh, You can't spread out too much. You can sort of like squeeze off your coat and squeeze off your shoes and then walk a little bit. And then you're in sort of like a a landing. You can either go to the bedroom, which I preferred to do because it was like the first exit into a big open space room. You can stretch out your arms or just flop on the bed or turn on the TV or something. And also that became my my private space. That, That became my me space because it was where I recorded so many episodes of this podcast. It's where I recorded countless episodes of my radio show. It's where I wrote countless songs. I wrote albums of music in that room. Almost all of the 12 songs album, almost if not all of the Simple Swimmer album, uh, the song How It Is, uh, all these singles uh, that made a big difference for me as a musician in my first years here. I wrote all these songs there. And although it took a while to feel at home, uh, 
um, I, I think it really, it became that place for me. Uh, it's hard to say what, what, what kind of angle I'm approaching this thought from. I think, I think I'm just kind of going with the flow here, but you know, the first, it, it took a while to get there and I didn't, I think I, I always had this sort of feeling of like, well, you know, I can always go back home if I don't feel this, you know, so I, it, it, it built up towards this feeling of like peace, but it was work. Um, I'll say, I, okay, I, re- I remember my angle now. So it, you know, it, it took some time. Um, within my first year of living there, um, like I said, VV came and then we did this big tour of Germany. And then in 2017 was my busiest year that I've ever had in my musical career ever. And, and since uh, I, I've kind of given up on the fact that it might not happen like that again. Uh, where I was just on the road constantly. I had the band, I had the manager, we were booking major festivals. You know, I talk about it all the time and I should probably just learn to let it go. It was what it was and I'm really happy for it. But it was also this feeling of like, uh, I was more focused on the, on the, 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 what do you call it? Like, not the, what's it called? Like the increased attention to my art or whatever. I was more focused on that than um, the increase in, in my reach and my audience and whatever. I was really, I was way more focused on that than I was on, you know, trying to build a, a sense of home for myself. Like for me, staying busy felt like home. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the road. I still do. I still love that part of being a musician. And I think that's why it's particularly so difficult for me right now as someone living abroad to not have any help with booking. Because since I dropped... Um, Tony the psycho in early 2019 since then I haven't had actually uh, even a fraction of the amount of concerts that I wanted to have and now that Dominic dumped me uh, and these other booking guys eventually came back and said it's not going to work out for them I'm not really sure what else I'm supposed to do here Uh, this is a little off topic I know but like I'm at a position where I still really want to be on the road and I still really want to perform concerts. And I think I'm going to have to do what I mentioned in one of the last episodes, I think the Timberlaking episode, where it's like, I think I'm going to have to kind of just create all of this for myself. Um, you know, I'm at, a, I'm at a position now where uh, on both Instagram and TikTok, on both of these platforms, I have over 100,000 followers on both um, which is a position that I didn't think I would be in at all. M- you know, it's something I always wanted, but I didn't think I would get there. So now I have bigger goals, you know, crossing the next 100K or crossing, you know, 500K or whatever, which is going to take a lot of time and a lot more effort. Um, but I think in order to do that, uh, to expand on this audience and to make a living out of like my own brand and my own name, I need to be able to inter- like entertain people in person. I need to be able to like sell shows. And I think if I just can't get a booking person interested in me, for whatever reason, it's not like I have zero, you know, it's not like I'm one of those artists on Spotify that has like 200 streams on a song, you know, uh, I don't have millions of streams, which is probably the, the major issue, but I don't have nothing. Like, I think for like a sort of lower level or medium level indie musician, folk musician, the numbers are pretty good. Um... And I have this record label now who's putting a lot of effort in, you know, it, he, this record label now turned my song Most Famous Surprise into my number one song. It went from like, I don't know, my 30th listened to song to my number one. So the efforts are real. The efforts are there. And um, I don't, I really just don't get why. Um, sorry, I had to type something out. I really don't get why uh, the booking people don't, have any interest or maybe I'm just talking to the wrong people I'm not sure I reached out to a lot of friends that's besides the point the, the point is uh, to, to just double back on the home feeling it took a long time and it was a lot of work to get to that position and um, now that I'm in this new place here we are in the new house you can hear the bad acoustics here <laughs> apologies for the audio on this one but the reasons that I talked about all of that is to say I assumed that it would be the same amount of work and time to feel cozy in a place, uh, in this place, that it did in the others. But it happened almost instantly. And it happened after bringing our things in. It didn't happen the countless times that I visited here 
renovating the place and working on the house uh, and painting. I mean, also, I came here one one hundredth of the amount of times that Ify did, but like just the amount of um, time spent here before putting my things in, uh, I had no concept of, of it really feeling like home. It just felt like a bigger place. Um, I was grateful for it. I was excited about it, of course, getting things cleaned up, getting things set up, slowly trinkling little droplets of things into the house, uh, imagining, trying to imagine how things will look. Um, you know, right now we still have nothing on the walls anywhere in the whole house, which I think we're going to try and change that today. But it's um, it was pretty amazing to me how after, you know, shoving everything in over one weekend, that like the following Monday evening, I arrived by car back to my house and entered and just felt like, um, you know, like, oh, you know, and that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, and it's a good sign. It's a good sign that I made the right choice and, you know, cleaned up the kitchen a little bit, organized you know, some papers and things, got everything kind of like just organized a little bit upon arriving and then just like sitting on the sofa, um, putting on the projector. And it was just like, bada, bada, bing, bada, boom, man. I mean, it was just um, this amazing feeling of, of, of comfort. And uh, I think that's kind of what everyone strives for in, in, in a sense, you know, and especially as an immigrant, um, it's something you have to kind of fight for and you have to be very aware if you're not feeling that way. And, uh, um, I don't know what it means, uh, regarding my still lingering desires for the types of friendships I have had, you know, the, the, the types of friendships that I had back home, uh, or the type of relationships I had to people, the type of environments that I, that I grew up in. I don't know what it means for that. All I know is what it means for me here. And if it just simply by itself means that, that I can be, happy or comfortable in my time here, then I think that makes it, that makes all the difference. Um, you know, I'm going to be, uh, in just a couple of weeks, a little less than two weeks, I'm going to be going home to America for six weeks. It's going to be a big trip. And I'm always so excited about that. And that will probably, as, as it usually does, it'll probably dig up, um, It'll probably stir up, you know, lingering feelings of like missing home as it always does. I think that's the same for everybody. You know, you, you can, and I talked to a lot of different immigrants here. I should probably do that more on the show, (laughs) but I've talked to a lot of different people who, you know, obviously live here from different countries and they, they do get a sense of comfort here that they enjoy and they get used to. But whenever they travel home, of course, then they really feel like a version of themselves that they enjoy. I think that's it. It's like, I've gotten to a place of absolute comfort for the version of myself that lives here. And it's contributed to by the existence of this house, um, which is amazing. And the version of myself that I am when I'm in America um, will be more willing and more accepting and maybe even more excited to take a back seat to the version of myself that I am here when it's time to fly back to Germany. I think that's probably I should leave it there. I think that was the best way that I could phrase my thought and I don't want to overcomplicate it. You ever get to that position before where you like, you accidentally say what you're feeling and it sounds perfect. Like, I think I just actually hit the nail on the head with what I'm trying to say here and I don't want to overcomplicate it. I don't want to try and repeat anything. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop it there. So um, anyway, so it's a lot of things to do today. Uh, of course, you know, we're in the new place and, um, everything is just a mess. Like I said, um, we have some, uh, some family coming by this weekend, try and help, you know, we have to, there's still a lot of like cutting and a lot of, a lot of trash everywhere. It's still, it's still chaos, but, um, in general, it's really, uh, cool. It's really cool here. And, uh, I'm really happy that this is officially the first podcast in the studio. I'm excited to finally get some soundproofing in here. I have such goals for this room. I have really, I think I should sketch it out and I have plans. I've talked a lot with, um, my friends, uh, Tim, of course, Tim Hecking and, uh, Giovanni who are 
producers who work in studios every day to help them sort of help me plan out the coolest, most cost-efficient yet stylish way to soundproof a room so that I can like deck this out, make it perfect audio-wise, and then I can put up some cool lights, put up some cool pictures on the wall, and then get all my uh, equipment set up where I can just kind of roll around in this desk chair to each corner and play a different instrument if I need to or want to. And I want to be able to have a cozy space for, for musicians to come here and um, uh, record something if they want. If someone says, hey, I really I have no budget, you know, or whatever, can I just record some vocals or something on your at your space, then I can be able to, to provide that service, um, you know, for people, you know, for people who can't quite afford like the professional professionals. Um, yeah. So there, I think that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. So, um, (laughs) uh, I will do a, a quickly before I tell like this, this, the main story of this podcast, because there is a, there's an absolutely insane story to tell you that you really, uh, is so goddamn so silly. Um, I will say, uh, as of right now, the final two episodes of uh, our TV show, Wrong, on RTL Plus, is officially out. The season finale is out. All eight, all eight episodes are out now. Um, I think I thought it was going to be 10 episodes originally, but I guess it is eight. Uh, is it eight? It must. Be, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. I, it's almost like I just I have no idea. But I remember someone posting about it, saying like the series finale is out. Uh, it's only eight episodes, which is very short, I think, for um, sitcom. You know, like usually a sitcom like Big Bang Theory or something or Friends is twenty three, twenty four minutes with no commercials, and you have like twenty one episodes. Or like The Office, you have like twenty, twenty two episodes a season. Um, this is eight episodes that are twenty three minutes each. So that's very short. You can watch everything over a lunch break. It's crazy. Um, But it took a lot of hard work and um, a lot of drastic changes made by the showrunner, David, uh, who was an absolutely crazy person, uh, who I don't know if I'll actually have the opportunity to work with again. Like, he's one of those people that I might just never see again. Coincidentally, he just lives down the road from me now. Like, him and his girlfriend, Lena, who uh, met on the first season of our show, um, they both were dating people. They broke up with their other people, started dating because they date on the show. She's a model and actress, and he's a very good looking person as well. He's a surfer and a psycho. <laughs> he's a good looking, crazy person. And, um, they met, uh, on the first season, started dating. And then recently they moved, uh, to our neighborhood here in, in, in the just outskirts of Munich here. Uh, pretty wild. I think they will live there and I will probably never see them. It's one of those things where it's like, I'll never see them. I'll never see them. And I don't think that I will be welcomed into like their circle because I'm just not, I don't know. I, they, they, there's like this thing with like Hamburgian Germans or like Berlinian Germans or Munition Germans. I think it's very hard for, for people to invite uh, or like to welcome in uh, maybe that's too general. Uh, maybe that's not the right thing to say because I'll, you know, I have so many German friends from different areas. I think it's just the type of people they are. I don't think it matters what city they're from. They could be from anywhere, but it's just this type of people that I think they just have their group and their group is their group and that's going to stay their group and that's it, you know. Um, but uh, it was really fun to work on the show. I think the point is, I want to, the, the point is, I'm trying to advertise the show. So, um, if you are, um, a good friend of mine, then you already know that, um, we have this, um, email and code that you, that I can send, uh, that you can use to watch the series. But if you're just a fan and you want to support, uh, you know, what I did for this, uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a sitcom on RTL plus, um, it's a streaming app, just like you know, everything else, just like Netflix or Join or Hulu. And uh, they've got a lot of great movies and things on there and also a lot of TV shows. Uh, yes, it's a German show, so it helps if you speak German. Um, I'm usually watching it, but still pausing every now and then to say, oh, oh, does he mean this? Or why did she do that again? And, uh, but it's very funny. It's in the vein of, you know, it's it's shot just like The Office. 
So you have like this um, documentary style, uh, zoom ins, whip pans, someone's there, they, they glance at the camera, the cameras, they know the cameras are there. That's all explained in the first episode why they have a documentary crew following them. And uh, then they have sometimes talking heads, which is that famous shot from the office where you have like, you know, a little interview moment with Pam or Jim or Michael Scott or Dwight. I'm talking a lot about The Office right now because I am re-watching The Office currently, and it's so good. God, it's so good. Um, but it's shot like The Office or like Modern Family, um, and it has the humor of like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm or this German show, Jerks. It has this sort of style to it. So people who live in an apartment together in Hamburg, and they do really bad things, and they're very selfish, and it's very funny. And the second season, I think, is better than the first season. There's a few really great, very funny episodes. Uh, we finished everything up last night. Um, and I did a lot more for this season than I did for the first season. Like in general, yes, I did the music for the series. Uh, and you know, that means like the title track, the ending title track, some little music, excuse me, some little music, like transitioning between scenes. But in the second season, they had more themed episodes, like they had a, an episode where they thought they were cursed, which is very funny. And so they wanted like a haunted version of the title song, which was very fun to make, um, all with the help of Tim Hecking, of course. And um, then for the fi final episode, they wanted to do a thing in the style of the film Birdman with Michael Keaton, um, and which means trying to shoot everything like it's one take with no edits, what they call a one-er. And um, in the movie Birdman, whenever they would occasionally, you know, run down a hallway or something to keep the energy going or to keep it interesting, they would, you know, have this sort of jazzy, heart-pounding drum soundtrack, and then they would just move the camera over to the side and show the actual drummer, this person that no one ever mentions, playing the drums on the screen. So sort of breaking the fourth wall there with the music. And uh, they wanted to do that in the final episode as well. They had a drummer who would kind of just show up in different places. And uh, that's also where we came in handy because, um, you know, not every drummer you see on camera is a professional musician. Sometimes they are paid actors who don't know how to play the drums. Also, no offense to the actress who played the drummer. They gave her a toy drum kit, like a five-year-old's drum kit for some reason. Maybe they thought it was funnier. And we had to sort of like sync up real drum sounds on top of this toy drum kit. And if you catch it, if you're watching it, there's one moment where the actress is um, playing, like one hand is hitting the this little crash cymbal. So you could imagine in real life, it just sounds like And the other hand is hitting nothing. But uh, if you, it's just, it's quick. So, you know, we had to actually make drum sounds to sync over what she's playing. So it sounds like a real drum kit, but she's not even hitting the things. It's it's almost funnier that she's so bad at it. Um, but uh, anyway, the actress's name was Stephanie. She's very funny, very nice girl. Um, just doesn't know how to play drums. No one taught her. You know, no one gave her the, the time to say this is what that would look like. Um I remember, you know, in the final episode, I, we also acted. So, you know, we've t talked about it before on this on this podcast. But if you um, want to see yours truly on camera, um, I took a little video of it last night and put it on Instagram. Um, but it's probably gone by the time you hear this. Uh, there is a great moment in episode eight. There's a few moments in episode eight where you will see me and my friend and uh, occasional bassist companion Frank on camera like clear as day um, and it was really fun to shoot that we went to Hamburg for three days last year in September um, and it was a good time it was a really good party um, good adventure and uh, a weird shoot but nonetheless very fun and it was a good time to experiment with um, good chance to experiment with Frank and like hang out with him and get to know him a little more uh, and it was a good person to bring on the trip. It was a lot of fun. He's a, he's a, he plays along, you know, he's someone who's just like, yeah, let's try it. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Oh, I'll look it up. You know, like he's just like a good person to have on the road. 
But yeah, so uh, I did all the music. Uh, Tim Hicking helped me with a lot of it. He's also amazing. Uh, shout out to him. And um, David, the crazy person, is the showrunner and the lead actor. He's very funny. Um, his his girlfriend, the other actress on the show, Lena, she's also very funny. You know, and Ify wrote some great episodes. Um, our friend Julian wrote some great episodes. Um and they took some risks on this season. I think it's bolder. It makes stronger choices. I think they still could go even further. But, um, you know, I think I've said it before. They might not do anymore after this just because the director just kind of wants to do something else. You know, it's just because he's bored, which kind of sucks because it puts a lot of people out of, like, very, very easy money since the the network already would green light it, like, already because the first season was so successful. Like, the, he won uh, essentially what's equivalent to an American Emmy. He won at the Bavarian uh, television award, David, the crazy guy for like best up, up and coming talent for the show wrong. Um, now what I don't, I kind of wish the show would have won an award. Like as like best, you know, new release or like, uh, you know, instead of giving him an award for like best rising star or something, it would have been great if they said like this is like the best breakout new series or something like giving if they had given the show an official award then like i feel like everybody who contributed to it would have felt sort of connected to the success of it but also you know it is david's idea he's the lead actor he's the showrunner he's the you know the director he's the face of the show and he did put a lot of work and time into it so he also deserves his own award definitely uh, so it's not like I don't think he deserves it. I just kind of wish the show would have also gotten something because I feel like there's so many people that put so much time and work into it, um, especially the writers who I feel like always kind of get thrown under the bus, like in Germany. I've had this conversation with our friend Moritz here on the show, but, um, you know, writers in Germany just tend to be so forgotten and left, you know, thrown under the bus and ignored and the work and the time and the effort and the um, bravery it takes for them to create such ideas and, um, that, you know, they just kind of get left behind and forgotten about and ignored and not thanked, uh, when the time is right to, to thank people who create such ideas. But this is going all over the place, guys. I'm sorry. Basically, all I want to say is that season two is out. The whole thing is out now. It's on RTL plus. Um, it's just, you can do like a, a free trial, if you want to sign up, uh, then you can cancel it. It's it, even if it ran by accident, it's five euros a month. It's very cheap. Um, so if you accidentally paid, you know, five euros to watch two seasons of good television, oh, you know, cry me a river. Okay. It's all right. It's probably worth it. Um, so if you want to support me or you want to support, um, very funny German shows that are like trying to basically do something fresh, uh, go watch it. It's good. And I'm proud of it. And it might be the last television show that I do for a long time. So go see it. I'm on camera. I did the music. Uh, Frank's on there. If <laughs> you uh, did a lot of the writing and uh, it's bold and it's funny and it's good. So there, that's, that's all I want to say about that. And now I just want to, oh my God, I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. Okay, so. All right, so I, like I've said before, I, I, on the last episode, I invited, um, I invited our friend Moritz uh, to come on the show when the time is right, when we can, when we can talk in more detail about the movie that uh, I'm currently working on, his movie, and uh, and when that time comes, we will, and we'll have a lot of things to discuss, a lot of memories to to relive, um, you know, I think. I think our friend, um, I don't even know if I've ever talked on, I don't think I've ever said on the air who's ever um, in it, so I'm not going to, but, um, you know, we have someone in this movie that we're very excited, we have a few people in this movie that we're very excited about, and I don't think they have so much time left on this shoot, so I'm really hoping that we can get some photos and, like, build some memories together and... I'm I'm basically stalling here. The point is, we work on this movie, and um, you know, like I mentioned before, my I have these two jobs, and one is to uh, be this what they call an off speaker, which means I sit in this booth by myself. I have a microphone just like this with a few different channels, like channel one, two, three, four, 
And on any given day, there can be a few different people that interact with the actors who are on screen. You're looking at a, at a room of people talking, and sometimes they go to a phone, or they go to a walkie-talkie, or they look at a television monitor for whatever reason, and there's someone that, they're, someone that they are communicating with, which you'll find out later when it comes out. And when I a- am serving the role of the off-speaker, I am performing as these people who are off-screen. So the actors in this room have, you know, different walkie-talkies or speakers or whatever that have my voice coming in, and um, I have these channels, so I can say, okay, channel one is Mr. X, channel two is Mr. Y, and channel three is Mr. J, and, you know, whatever. And then I can just switch in between, and I have a script, and sometimes I try to do slightly different voices just to keep things consistent. Sometimes people don't want that. Sometimes they just want me to read the way I sound now, and I just make sure to hit the buttons at the right time, and it's usually a pretty easy gig. Um, and the other job is what's like a touch more fun for me, which is obviously being on camera because I'm such a whore for attention, uh, which also means I get to be closer to the actors whom I am uh, admiring so much and that I, you know, I, I am excited to see do their job. Um, so yeah, that's the two jobs. Occasionally being on camera and usually in this booth by myself. Both jobs are very cool. They're very different. Um, but when I get the chance and they say, we need you on set, we want you on camera to do this or that, my heart pounds because I'm like, oh, that's so exciting. I love that part. So just keep that in mind. So a few days ago, I am working on set. It's a normal day. Uh, you know, we, I think it was, it was before lunch. So it was the morning. Um, probably, you know, I, oh, I remember now. I remember now. It was about 1030 in the morning. And I was working the booth and it was a slower morning than usual. So I didn't have so much speaking to do. I had a couple of lines uh, that I was planning to do, but then sometimes the people that I'm portraying have real footage of themselves that the cat, like that the directors will play. So sometimes my job gets taken from me by the real people that I'm portraying. Some, some of the people that I'm, you know, reading from, come from real transcripts of different things. And, um, uh, so that morning that happened, there was like one thing where they wanted the playback to be from this video instead of coming from me, which is totally fine. That's, I think it's whatever assists the actors best is what should be done. I don't want to get the wrong impression here. I think whatever helps them give the best performance is what's best. So I just had less to do that day. So I was sitting at this booth, I was on my phone and uh, I was like, okay, hmm, it's 10.30. I guess we're going to have lunch probably around like 1. It's going to be a slow morning. Uh, let's see, I can do this. And I have like, you know, I have some lyrics I'm supposed to write for this guy. And I have, I can I can see, oh, well, maybe I can like take my phone out soon and maybe like do a podcast from here in the booth because it's, it's quiet and I can talk about, you know, the house or whatever. I can do like the first part of this show, but like in, the, in that environment. I was like, maybe I can do this and I can do that, whatever. And I was planning out what to do. It was very slow. And then I went to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom. And you should know, because I am uh, I could be at any time called on set, that I'm usually always in costume, <clears throat> um, which means, you know, from head to toe, I am in clothing that is owned by the production, and um, I have to take care of it. And, um, you know, I, I always, like, put clothing over it when I eat, and I uh, try to be really, you know, conscious and um, I went to the bathroom. I brought my water bottle with me, and because uh, I usually fill it up in the sink. And um, yeah, I was peeing, and then I was finishing up. And then these other guys came in. We were kind of talking, and then I was just slow because they had to get back to set, and I didn't. I was kind of taking my time, and I, you know, adjusted my shirt and tucked everything in, and was checking my face for pimples or whatever. They they washed their hands and then they left and then I was there alone. And then I put my water bottle in the sink and as I was filling it up, I don't know if my hand slipped or if I just dropped it or I, if the water splashed out. I, I think I'm, I was so stressed from everything. I think you know where this is going, but I basically I was so stressed from it that I can't even remember exactly how it splashed out or what happened. But like basically I dropped the bottle and this huge 
a huge amount of water. Now, I have a liter and a half jug of water that I take with me every day, and I refill it several times, which is a lot of water, several gallons of water a day. Um, it's probably like two gallons of water a day I drink or something. Anyway, this liter splashed directly into the center of my crotch and poured all the way down my left leg, down to my socks, basically like into my shoe. Um, did it look like I very clearly peed myself like an eighth grader afraid to, to stand up to answer the history lesson question? Yes. Yes, it did. It really, really couldn't have looked like anything else. It really only could have possibly looked like I peed myself. It was so embarrassing. And I panic. And in my pocket, in my back pocket, I have what, what are called sides. And sides are um, a very short, smaller print version of the scenes that they're shooting that day. So you have your script, which is on normal sized printer paper. Sometimes it's on like extras, uh, like a larger size printer paper. Uh, and then sides are, they say tomorrow we're gonna shoot scene, you know, A, B, C. So you have a small printout, like a pocket size printout of just the scenes A, B, C. And you can put those in your pocket and you can glance at them or whatever. Uh, and those are called sides. So I had the sides in my back pocket. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. and I got so scared that I was like, okay, I think, I was like, I think I might be able to dry this. I was like, it's a very slow morning. No one's really asking for me. No one knows where I am. Let me just, so I went to the stall and I put my leg up on the toilet and I started fanning my leg and like, like sort of pulling on the pant leg with my left hand, sort of like fluffing it, trying to get air in and out of it. And then using my right hand with the sides to fan my leg like a lady in church. And I was trying to fan it all the way up and down, and all the way up and down, and all the way up and down. And I heard someone come in and I was really quiet. Then I heard them leave. And I started fanning and fanning and fanning and fanning and fanning and fanning. And then immediately I heard another a person come in again and I heard this voice uh, say, Jordan? And it's a, a, um, what they call a, a runner who is a production assistant, which is someone that is there on hand to just make sure that all odd odds and ends get done. Can you take this case of water to the truck? Can you you know, take these, uh, take the script to Mike over there on the thing. And it's just like, they call him a runner. He, he runs and gets things done. It's just like a, it's, it's a lower position. It's just a, like a helper. Um, and I heard this voice that I knew cause I've talked to all the runners every day because in my booth, you know, I have some days I have less work like they, like this particular day. So I heard this voice. It's like, Oh no, it's the runner. I was like, yeah. And he's like, they're looking for you, which means that they want me on set which is the most, it was the most heart-poundingly embarrassed I could imagine ever feeling ever. And I just, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll be right there. And I had no plan. I had no plan. I'm si I, I, I walk out of the stall and I stand right up against the sink in case someone comes in they can't see. And I'm staring in the mirror and my, I'm sweating and my heart is racing and I'm out of breath and I don't, I'm thinking... I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. They're going to think I peed myself. And I walk out to the, uh, and I think to myself, okay, well, all I have to do is I have to walk to my chair because my chair has my jacket. And what I can do is I can wrap my jacket around my waist. And then usually what I'm doing on set is I'm sitting at this sound booth. So if I'm sitting at the sound booth, I can take my jacket off just before they hit action and I can slide under the chair and then no one will see anything and I can sit there for as long as needed until I can take my jacket and wrap it around my waist again and then I can go outside and I can wait in the wind. So I had this whole plan, had this whole elaborate plan. And then I thought I can go to my car and I can take my pants off in the car during my lunch break, skip my lunch break, put my pants up against the vent, blow some warm air through the vent and then dry my pants off and then I can take them and oh, it's a sunny day so maybe I can like attach them to this window and maybe like do a little drive or something in this parking lot, let them air out. I had this whole elaborate thing, you know, it's like just don't tell anybody, just hide it. So I wrapped the, I went to my chair and I wrapped this jacket around my waist really quick. The studio's dark so I, they didn't notice in the dark, thankfully. And uh, at first the guy was like, I think they want you on your mic, which was the biggest relief ever. I was like, oh, oh, of course. I was like, sure, you know, which means I'd be in the booth by myself and I could sit there and I could talk. And, uh, and then the, the set manager comes out of this door and he's like, 
Jordan, where, where are you? Like this, you know, it's always stress. It's always like now, 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 you know, you're always there. You're always prepared. But like the second you go to the bathroom, you, you feel like you're the jerk because you're late somehow and they're all waiting on you. It's like, what is going on? How can this always be the case? But, um, anyway, the set manager comes out and says, Jordan, we, we, we want you on set. They want to see you. And it's like, Oh, okay. So imagine I have a very clear, almost black stain of deep, wet water from the center of my crotch down the entire left leg. Like it is so obvious. There is no hiding it. There is no denying that I have a huge stain. And I'm and I'm just walking with my jacket around my waist. I am walking to the set and I have no plan. There are um, costume designers coming up to me. They're adjusting my shirt. They're adjusting my microphone. There's people spraying my forehead with, you know, fake sweat. They're getting me ready. The, 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 the first AD, the first assistant director is telling me, okay, Jordan, you're going to sit here. You're going to, uh, first off, you need to get rid of all this stuff. Get rid of your jacket. Get rid of, get rid of your, whatever had this microphone from the booth. And I'm telling her like, oh yeah, I will. I will. I was like, I will. I'm going to do it just before I sit down. I'm basically trying to say like, I, I hear you. I, obviously I'm not going to wear this on camera, but please don't ask me to take this off now while I'm talking to you. I was like trying to get out of it with all of the, all, with everything I could. I was trying to just not tell them what's going on. And you have people around you putting makeup on you, uh, fluffing your hair, adjusting your shirt. And there under my jacket, it looks like I peed myself like an eighth grader. And this person is saying, take everything off, take off the jacket, take off the mic. You're going to sit here. You're going to come at, someone's going to knock on the window and then you're going to step out of this chair and then you're going to walk into this door, which means walk into the main room with all of the cast, the main cast and the 15 extras or whatever that are all in there and basically be on display. One, this means better camera exposure, which is something that I want. Two, I looked like I pissed my pants. So I don't know what to do. And basically, I just I just crack. I just crack under the pressure. Imagine there are like 50 people glancing at you waiting for you to start because somehow, for some reason, they want you and the whole production this expensive production is waiting on you. The producers are waiting on you. The director is waiting on you. The the writers, I mean, I'm not you, Moritz, I know, but like the the extras, the main cast, the everybody except for the people who make lunch, basically. 50 people, more, 100 people are waiting on you to be at, at a certain position so they can just start the scene because they realized that there's like this perfect position that's available for, for an extra and I'm the one that they grab for those things and they know that I love being on camera so they throw me in but they need me to go now and in that moment I looked like I pissed my pants and I crack under the pressure and I just lean in because in this Uli, her name is Uli, the the first AD, and she's she just she she's great at her job. She's very she's a little intimidating. She's very like you know a demanding presence. She's very assertive and very like clear. She's not mean, but she's very like now. And I was I just leaned in, and she has this face of like why why are you leaning in? You know, it's almost like come on, what are you doing here? And I was like Uli Uli. I was like I I was like I'm so sorry. I was like, I'm so sorry. And my voice was shaking. She's like, what? what? What What happened? And she leaned in and then the costume designer leaned in and then the second AD, this other woman, three women are leaning into my face as I crack, my voice is cracking and I am sweating and I, my mouth is all dry. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, what? I, I was like, I can't, I can't, I was like, and I just cracked my jacket ever so slightly to show my leg. And I was like, I, I spilled an entire bottle of water down my entire leg. I said, it looks like I peed myself. I'm, I can't go on camera. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, it just happened. And I thought I was just sitting here. I thought I could hide it. And thankfully, 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 to my great relief, they were super understanding. And there was, for some reason, all of the stress of like, start now, start now, just kind of faded, which I'm very thankful for. And they just said, that's okay. That's all right. We'll just do it like this. Just sit at the booth. Um, everything's okay. Just sit at the booth. And when this person comes, they're going to bring you something. You stand up, but you don't turn. You just stand up. You collect whatever they're going to give you. I'm trying to be as vague as possible without ruining the story. But you stand up, they give you something, and you sit back down. Um, and that's what I did. I was like just in the background. 
I just, I don't even know if I'm on camera, honestly. At the end of the day, sometimes they don't even capture you depending on the angle that they want. They just want to have you there in case. So, you know, we did like five takes. And then when that position was over, the costume designer ran over and brought a blow dryer and sat me down and like blue dry my pant leg. Uh, and she was like, holding it with her hand at the ankle and blow drying all the way up from my ankle to my inner thigh. And then of course I took over for my crotch and I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. This is so embarrassing. I was like, you don't know. I was trying to hide it. I had a plan. I was going to go to my car. I was going to take my pants off. I was going to put them on my vent. I was like, I was hoping that I wasn't needed. Of course, the second, the nanosecond that I spill a liter of water all over my crotch, that looks like a kid who got bullied in kindergarten and just like, or like a kid who wet the bed or something. I was like, all of this is happening exactly at the moment that I get called to go on, to go on camera and walk in front of these professionals and like do my job and I can't do it. I was like, I'm so sorry. And she was like, no, oh my God, Jordan, please. That's what my job is. This is what my job is. Like, please, next time, anything. She's like, you know, you're not the first one today. So-and-so spilled uh, some water on his pants. Obviously not to my extent, but like they spilled something and they had to clean it up before a take and they had a blow dryer. And she's like, it happens. People spill things. It happens all the time. It's okay. I know it must look embarrassing for you, but we don't see it that way. Don't worry about it. And they blow dried my pants and then I blow dried the rest. And uh, then over lunch, I went out. It was a sunny, windy day, perfect combo for drying pants. And I sat on these stairs with my legs spread wide, letting the wind flap my pants as I sat facing directly in the sun until coincidentally, our friend Moritz showed up. And then I went and had lunch with him and told him the whole story. And he was like, that is your podcast story of the week. And Moritz, you were right. There it was. All right, guys, that's what I had loaded up for you today. This has been uh, the first podcast in the new studio. I hope I can bring you better audio next week. Um, ridiculous, embarrassing story, but thankfully everyone handled it very professionally. Uh, and probably next time I will just tell them I spilled water on my pants. Please give me the blow dryer. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that was so, oh God, so embarrassing. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you had fun today, or if you felt anything, or if you connected to anything, please make sure to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show and give us a rating or a review or a comment or just share it online or tell a friend, word of mouth, just a text message, anything. It really helps the algorithm show this program to new listeners just like you. And we can grow this artsy-fartsy family. It really genuinely helps me out so much. So please do it if you enjoy the show. Just share it. Let people know about it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you had fun. And uh, yeah, I'll be back next week with more. And thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, all right. I love you. Bye. Look out, baby. The saints are coming through. And it's all over now. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.